Welcome to another edition of Sunday Stories, where we tell the stories of the people that make North Church Guthrie such a great place uh, to be at. My guest today is Tammy Dorwart. Uh, Tammy, tell us a little bit about what you do at North Church. Um, I work at the welcome table to greet new uh, people when they come and visit and just give them a gift sack and just make them feel welcome and loved and just smile at them. (laughs) How did you get involved in North? Um, Actually, I I can't remember if it was you or who came to my husband's shop when you first started North Church and invited us to come. And we had been going to a cowboy church in Oklahoma City. And my daughter was diagnosed with uh, breast cancer, and I was going to be going to Oklahoma City all the time for treatment and stuff. And I told my husband, I said, I think we need to find something closer to home instead of driving seven days a week to Oklahoma City. And I said, what happened to the church that came by and gave you a coffee cup and a T-shirt? And he said, oh, yeah. He said, let's go check it out. And we walked in the door, and we had wonderful greeters, and everybody just showed love and made us feel so welcome that we just continue to go. Yeah, is there something that made you continue? Was It just, It was the people. It was the people. Definitely yeah. the people. Um, and, you know, it's something, as big as the church is and, and having the different campuses and stuff, it's always good to see Pastor Rodney and, and his wife and to come to the church. I mean, it's you're not just on a screen. You're not felt uh, distance from them. They always come at different times in Samson, and, and they just all come and, you feel like they're touchable people. And yeah. that, that makes it more comfortable. Yeah, it, it, they, they're come their campus in Edmond. They're coming up to the campus here yes. in Guthrie, so it's it's not like you're they're they're invisible and yeah they're they're like they're TV stars. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's always very nice. Yeah, uh, t- tell me a little bit about your family. Uh, what you your your husband Ray? Tell me about him. Uh, my husband Ray is a custom cowboy bootmaker. We met, I worked for a, a ranch rodeo company in Amarillo, and he called and wanted to be a, um, a sponsor to donate some a pair of custom-made boots to a ranch rodeo, and we just started talking and became friends and ended up getting married, and I said it had to be God because girls don't leave Texas. So <laughs> you, were, you were down in Amarillo? I was in Amarillo, and we yeah. got married, and I moved up here to Guthrie. Okay. So. And, and you have a, you, you said you had a daughter. I Yes, I have a son and a daughter from a previous marriage, and then uh, Raymond never had kids, and he always wanted kids. And he always told me he, he said he loves to teach and share with people, and he always wanted um, someone to do pass on. So... We had our son, and we were married three years, and then had our son, and so he's late in life, but he's very loved, and he we named him da- Daniel, which means God is my judge, but I always say it's, uh, he's a wise and faithful man of God. So, What is it, tell me about what it is like for raising um, a, a child, as you said, late in life. Are there, are there challenges to that? Um, I actually had... <laughs> less energy but more patience than i did with my first two uh raymond was probably more naive than starting late in life he just did not know anything about electronics and all that sort of stuff so a lot of things were very new to raymond the snapchats and the tiktoks and (laughs) yes yes it's new to me too well you know you think about it he came from nebraska he came from a small town he he was cowboy um you know 
everything was very simple for him when he grew up. You respected your parents. You you know you didn't do this. You didn't do that. Then you come to a world where kids have electronics in their hands and there's so much disrespect and stuff like that. And so, uh, it it was there were times it was very challenging. So, do you do you I, I, is it a, you obviously have raised children maybe outside the social media age and maybe a child in the social media age. Yes. Talk about the difference between the the parenting in those different types of ages when you bring in something where, you know, there's so much information and content that's coming into our, our phones and, and we're just able to access so many things, whether they be good things and often they we, they can be bad things as well. As a parent, it's it becomes almost impossible to, to really monitor fully all of those things. So you really kind of just have to trust, right? You do. This, the sad thing is we were very responsible. The school wasn't. He was going to a small school, and they did away with the school books and put them on computers. Everybody had to have a computer. And they assured us that it was very controlled, and we found out it was not very controlled. And, um, and they also showed movies that were inappropriate that we would not allow our son to watch at home, but mm-hmm. they were allowing to, them to watch on free days at school. So we were very disappointed in the school. We were not in a position that we could homeschool. Um, so, you know, prayer, you just, you keep praying for him. You keep trying to have him around the right people and stuff. And he st- he went to North Church. He would go on Wednesday nights down to the main campus and just a glow. I mean, he would just be so happy. And then about his junior year, he kind of pulled away from that. But now, even now, when you talk about North Church, uh, that teenage years, he still smiles. He'll see some of the uh, JC and some of those other guys, and he is just so excited to see them and just a totally different person mm-hmm. when he's around them. So, you know, even though it was hard to get him there on Wednesday nights, it was so important to Ray and I to have him there on Wednesday nights and yeah. to be involved in it. Wednesday nights is the uh, the North Church down in Edmond, the, the kids, kids yes. thing. Yeah, it's their, their student ministry on mm-hmm. Wednesday nights. Uh, let me ask you about your your daughter. Uh, you mentioned that she was going through breast, had had some cancer issues, breast cancer. Um, what what was it like watching her go through that? You know, um, I try not. I always try to be positive and try not to be negative and not to think about things. When she was ten years old, she was hit by a car and she was she rode a bicycle across a four lane highway in Texas. And she was hit by a car, and she was in the hospital from October to May. And that is actually what led me to the Lord. Um, at that time, we lived in a town of about 800 people, and she was in Austin Hospital. There were every church sent a representative up there. Not sent a rep- Somebody from every church was there. They were all kind to each other. They were all just loving. They had, they had no denominational discrepancy it was just it was so nice and that started the ball to rolling and so at that point I could not let myself think too much about stuff or it would just have torn me up so I had to always be positive always to push forward so when this happened to her and she called me she's like mom this is going on so I grabbed her up we went to uh, Stevenson Cancer Centers and we got started there and we just I just had to have a positive attitude and I had so much learning experience from some other ministries on the words of our mouth and on his word says uh, that we can lay hands on the sick and they shall recover and Ray and I just stood on that and she does too she's um, 39 years old and if I just 
accidentally slip and say something about, um, well, you need to get medicine. You need to go. She's like, Mom, I'm healed. Not, not that she's not going through treatment, but that she believes that she's healed. And I'm so proud of her, and I'll stop and tell her how proud of her I am for remembering that and for standing on that. So you've almost seen a transformation in her her faith and her personality through this? Yes. Yeah. And, she, and she'll tell people that, too, She'll when she's there. She she is actually a, a light when she goes to treatment and stuff, and, and the nurses and everybody had said she is such a positive, always smiling, always joking person that it, it helps the people around her. How about your relationship with her? How has that evolved since she's gone through this? You know, when Amber was hit by that car when she was 10 years old, she was the most vibrant, beautiful little girl you can imagine. She, Her personality changed because she had such brain damage. Um, she became like a, um, oh, about the maturity, like now she's probably like a 14-year-old rebellious child. But but she's smart in a lot of respects, but she would, she mentally, she comes, personality-wise, she comes back as being like a 14-year-old rebellious child. When this started happening, she actually became respectful and kind, and, and now she'll, every so often, she'll send me a letter and tell me thank you for standing by her through all her difficulties and all the, the wreck and the cancer and, and stuff like that. So um, she is actually, the Lord is, is working in her, and she's, it's changed our relationship and it it's helped me to um give me the opportunity to be a mother again because i i love mothering i love children so yeah i mean to watch her go through that i mean did you struggle i mean were you, were you scared i was initially and the and the reason is is my dad died from breast cancer um which is very unusual mm-hmm. for a man yeah. and so I did not live in the same town as my dad. I would just see him periodically, so I did not have to watch him go through this. Um, and then he passed away in 2011. So when Amber told me this, that you know, the first initial response was scared, and and I went to Arkansas and picked her up, and threw her in the car, and came here and made phone calls and and did a lot of stuff. And then things slowed down, and she went through treatment, and we did real well. In 2016, July of 2016 was her last treatment. And then she called me again, and and she had, it's having to go through this again. Um, so again, so now we're just having to stand on His Word again, and and just remind ourselves what His Word says, and just keep a smile on our face, and just, you know, even if if Amber were to pass away tomorrow, I know where she'll be. I know she accepted Jesus Christ as her Lord and Savior. She accepted Him before I did. So. Um, you know, I'm very confident. Do it, does God want her to die? No, not at all. And and I know that, and I know He did not cause the wreck. I know none of that. I just know that everything Satan meant for evil, God turned to good. And through that, I have a. When she was in that first bicycle accident, and she was in the rehab for so long, I actually lived in the rehab with her. I had always been afraid to talk to somebody in a wheelchair or something. I was one of those that stood back and looked at people with disabilities and would not, you know, talk to them. Through that, I learned they're wonderful people, and I and I have such a heart for them. And I wanted, and I got my friends to go up there and and start socializing and stuff. So I learned, you know, something that Satan wanted to be awful turned out to be good. And so now, um, I just have a, a an understanding that I didn't used to have. Mm-hmm. You said that 
your daughter came to Christ before you did. Yes, she so did. Tell me about, well, tell me about, you, you tell me about her journey, but uh, how about yours? Is obviously if it, your daughter came before, before you did, you came in maybe late in life. You know, um, my mother was raised Church of Christ. My dad was raised Baptist. Um, so we never went to church because they each had a, if we wanted to go with a friend, they had no problem. Um, then my parents divorced and my dad turned Baptist. No, my dad turned Methodist and my mother turned Baptist. Um, and they both got involved in church. But I wasn't raised in a church. Um, I was divorced with two kids, lived in a, moved to a small town. And it puts a stigma on you that, you know, women think you're after their husbands, which you don't have to be. It's just, you know, a single woman in a small town. So I small Texas town, small Texas town. Yeah. It's the South. Yeah. It just, there was a stigma there. Um, so I had a hard time. I didn't feel comfortable in church. And when my daughter had her accident, the, the people were wonderful. And there was, um, a pastor from the Methodist church, just loved him Weemers. And he just loved on us and just took us under her wings. And, and they sent me on a walk to Emmaus and all this sort of stuff. And then, um, my son actually led me to the Lord after I'd gone to walk to Emmaus. He, he, you know, led me to the Lord. And so, and that was in 1997. And um, then Reagan and I got married later in 1997, and he's helped me to grow spiritually. Um, so. And I will ask you about, about Ray a little more, but it, it strikes me that you're, it sounds like your parents were were very denominational focused yes like they weren't and then you go through that the moment with your daughter where where you see all these people who are who are, are of different denominations in the christian faith but who are working together to bring some sort of joy to your family i want I, I, but the, that's an interesting perspective to me and and what do you what do you what did you gauge from that? And what do you think about the, the different denominations and the way that the us in the Christian faith uh, tend to, tend to um, I guess, separate ourselves through these denominations? You know, um, after her accident, I tried to go to the different churches with different friends to just see, you know, to be respectful and to thank them for everything they did for her. Um, I still felt there was a separation you know, um, in the denominations, I was not comfortable in a church until I went to a non-denominational church, which was Cowboy Church. Um, I, you know, I saw tradition, even as naive as I was, I saw tradition in the churches, you know, um, certain prayers that you had to pray, certain things you, you couldn't take communion if you weren't a member of that church and stuff like that. And I just, that, that was probably something that had kept me out of church was not feeling welcome there because I wasn't raised in that church. And so um, when I finally found a church that just wanted to tell you about God's love and stuff, I was very open to that. I will tell you this. I, Hetty had talked one day about um, wanting people to come out and knock on doors with him. And I thought, oh, man, I only have weekends off. I don't really want to do that. God put it on my heart after I left there that's what turned was a turning point for me when I was in Amarillo by myself um, I had taken a job there and some a group of men and women came knocking on my door I lived in an apartment complex and they were knocking on doors and I never would have opened a door never would have allowed them to come in and I did 
and they were so kind and so loving and they weren't pushing me to go to church. They were just worried about my salvation and stuff. And from that point on, that's when I started knowing the Lord and really getting a close relationship. And that was just prior to Ray and I getting married. So when Hetty said that, I went up to him and I said, okay, I need to go do this. And I said, I am the product of a door knocker. And I said, I never thought about it. I never really thought of that as being what started it. And so it's, I just want people to realize, even though it's out of your comfort zone, even though you may have things to do on the weekend, you work all week and you want to do something on the weekend, somebody took the time to do that for me and it changed my life. And you went to like, you started with like the varsity door knocker in Hetty Coleman. Like you, did, you didn't start in single eyeball. You went all the way straight to, you, you went straight up to the majors with, with yeah. Eddie Coleman, the expert door he, knocker. He is. Yeah, yeah. But you know, there's no reason he has to be out there doing it by himself. Yeah. There, there really isn't. And that weekend, uh, I think there were about six of us that went out and knocked on doors and we had a wonderful time. So, um, you know, and, and out of that, I did find out like a week later or two weeks later, somebody from that, that morning ended up coming to North Church and, and made the comment that I had knocked on their door. So it, it is something very important to step outside of your comfort zone. I mean, I am, you ask me to do anything, I will do it, but I'm not very self-motivated. And so um, for me to step out of my comfort zone and go do something like that, I really want to do it for the Lord. I mean, think about everything he did for us. I just, I want to do something for him. Yeah, I, I appreciate in, in, the, in your background and your, not necessarily your upbringing, but the way you were kind of came to the church, it sounds like there was a lot of obstacles to you actually finding Jesus. And a lot of those were really church made, which is, which is really kind of, kind of sad. You know, I'm so blessed that my son, our son was, has been raised in the church. I think that is just like the most wonderful childhood, but there's something special about not being raised in the church and coming to know the Lord through experiences and to see how much he changed. You know, it is really hard for me to go back home to my, to where I was spent my teenage years and my twenties because I'm not that person anymore. And I don't want to be reminded of my past. I don't want them, you know, I think some people would look at you and say, Oh, you're just being fake because I remember who you were. So I don't want to step back into that. And so, um, you know, we have to choose which way we want to go, and I, and, and I want to go up. So, you know, I love those people. I would never be disrespectful for them, but I'm not going to put myself back into that situation. Yeah, that's great. That's great. I, I mean, I, I completely agree with you, or I, I mean, I, I, I understand what you're saying because I, I feel many of those same things. How about your relationship with, with Ray? What is your marriage like? <laughs> Ray is a, the most wonderful man. He is loving, kind, uh, he, he is just a very strong Christian. He's a very good man. Everybody really likes him and respects him. It's funny because when we first got married, I'd say we were like a zipper. We fill in where the other one is lacking. As we get older, sometimes that's very irritating. <laughs> so, um, he, he's just, he's, God gave me the right man. He met, 
it was so funny because when I was 30, uh, the ladies I worked with said that I would never get married again because I was too picky. You know, I had this list of the perfect man. Ray fits that list of that perfect man. I wanted a man that was tall. I wanted a man that was dark-headed. I wanted a man with a mustache. I wanted a cowboy. I wanted somebody that didn't work a regular job eight to five. I wanted somebody that when he walks into a restaurant, the men stand up to shake his hand because they respect him. I wanted a man like that, and Ray is everything like that. And um, so I know that the Lord sent him to me. I know that he put us together. Um, I just, I just truly love him and respect him. And he is a wonderful father. He, he, he's a good friend. He wants to be there for everybody. He tries sometimes to do too much for too many people. Um, just because sometimes, you know, I don't see him till eight or nine o'clock at night because he's just so involved and, and, uh, just wanting to be there for everybody. Yeah. So. Yeah, I know that. That is right. He's, you're, I was checking out that list. I'm thinking to myself, man, I'm kind of lacking. <laughs> yeah. but, but at the very least, the tall thing. <laughs> well, you know, it just... It was, and dark hair. But, it yeah. was funny. And yeah. oh, and I, I didn't mind if he'd been married, but I didn't really want, you know, to have to deal with stepkids and stuff like that. And he was, it was everything. It was just, it was amazing that it was everything. And um, I had met, talked to him on the phone through our business connection. And we were putting on the first ranch rodeo, world championship ranch rodeo. And I had asked one of the other guys that I worked with constantly was a friend of his. And I said, I'm trying to find Ray Dorward. I said, I have to get him to sign some paperwork or something. And about that time, this is in a um, coliseum. And about that time, I just, you hear this laughter. And the guy said, follow that laugh. And he said, you'll find Ray Dorward. And that was what started it, is is that laugh of his. It's such an infectious laugh, and people I, know him by his laugh. Yeah, that's, that's funny. I, I was actually going to ask you about the laugh, and I, I couldn't phrase the question, but do you, is that kind of what, I mean, do you hear, do you kind of fall in love with him when you, when you hear that laugh? I do. I do. I, the, the laugh, and sometimes he'll cock his head, and he'll just look at you, and he has got such a, a deep, sincere look in his eyes when he talks to people. You know, you love him for that because he is truly, he truly puts other people before himself. Hmm. And he loves the Lord. What are the challenges of raising, um, you know, let me, let me rephrase this. We had Bernadette Coleman on the podcast uh, several weeks ago. And she talked about, you know, her and Hetty, uh, they were, they were at the time they were quote unquote courting. Hetty was courting her and she was very cautious. She had had her oldest son, um, and, and they being a single mom, you know, she had to be very cautious about who she let into that, her, that mm -hmm. world, that world is a single mom. That's, that's something, you know, you, you have to worry about as well as you have to be very cautious about, about who you bring in the world in that situation. I was divorced for 16 years. I kept everybody at a distance. Everybody was a friend. Um, you know, my kids called them uncles and stuff like this, but I would not date. Um, I, I was just very cautious, you know, I, I had no problem staying single, um, and then when I met Ray, and he was, uh, he was just, he was kind. Now, my kids were not friendly because they had been 16 years without a man telling them what to do, so they didn't want somebody to step in there, and it was never that Ray tried to tell them what to do. It's so funny because he would always take up for them instead of for me. He would say, you know, he'd tell me, you know, you calm down, he's not that bad or something, so but, um, you know, my son was, I think he was 16 when we got married. I think my daughter was 14. So, you know, I'm trying to think. 
No, my son was 18, mm-hmm. and, sh- and she was 16. So, it, But Ray, he still is kind and, and tries to be supportive of them, is supportive of them. And, uh, and I know if anything were ever to happen to me, I know that he would be there to take care of them. So. And he, 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 there's been a couple of times I couldn't go to the cancer treatments with Amber, and he would go and meet her down there and, and go with her. Because she comes from Jay, Oklahoma, so she has to – she. Sooner Care brings her to Oklahoma City for treatment, and if I can't get off of work, he'll go down there and meet with her and sit there and visit with her and stuff. So, What fills up your day-to-day? I work for the post office. I am uh, up at 5 o'clock and at work by 6.30 and, and get off about 4.30 in the afternoon, so I, I stay busy at the post office. Um, we were talking... We were talking out there. I was talking to Hetty while I was waiting on Raymond, and he, I, I told him, I said, when Ray and I first got married, because Ray's self-employed, and, and I came here just working kind of little odd jobs at first, um, I told him, I said, there were times, you know, we didn't know if we were going to have a loaf of bread or a gallon of milk. I said, it was just pure faith that we trusted the Lord. And then I got the job at the post office. But I said, when we really started tithing and started getting into God's word on tithing and first fruits, and and uh, Ray Ray had already been tithing, but we really got into understanding the first fruits and stuff like that. We are in a position now that we we love to give, we love to help, we love to donate. Um, and we I thought about this the other day. I thought, you know, I don't go and worry about buying the cheapest, littlest bottle milk now I can go and buy the glass bottle you know it's funny God just he proves himself and and so um when you know my children we we take that and we relate it back to to my son and daughter we'll say do you remember we got married this is how it was now look at it look how much the Lord has blessed us I'm a strong advocate for family staying together even though I was divorced raising two kids for 16 years by myself and you know might not have been the best mother but I loved my children um I see a difference in families staying together raising their children um for the children's sake so I don't even know where I'm going with this Mm -hmm. but it's just to me it's it's very important and Raymond he he stepped in and tried to to do for my two older kids everything he could and he's always been there for Daniel as much as he could and so family is very important to us uh family serving the Lord is even more important to us and just being respectful of people I, I want to touch back briefly on the moment you you said you you got you and you and Ray were struggling and then you were able to find that job um talk about that moment and 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 kind of where you were in that a little bit can you elaborate on that a little bit well when I came from Texas I had worked for a utility company there I had 25 years office experience and stuff and then I went to this ranch rodeo company and and met Raymond so when we got married I I just quit my job and moved here and had no job and so he he is self-employed and so it was you know if he didn't finish a pair of boots and get money then there was just no money Um, I had gone to work at an eyeglass place for a little bit and then the electric company over in Kingfisher called me because I had applied there and they, they wanted to hire me. So um, so as Ray and I tied and, and stuck with the tithing, we were taken care of. But then we got into God's Word talking about the first fruits and, and we got into a, a, 
I can't even, my mind's just gone, gone blank, but we got into a um, sermon that we had heard and we listened to it over and over and it was talking about your first fruits, that actually your first fruits go to your preachers, your ministers, and that that is actually what they're supposed to live off of is the first fruits. And then the rest of the money that's donated is for the orphans, widows and stuff and to, to you know, for, to provide for the church. When we grasped that and we started we give our tithing, but then we also give our first fruits of the first of the year. Our 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 debts were canceled. Our our bills were paid. Um, we we received. We started calling our giving seeds, and we named those seeds. and And it just it changed everything. It just really totally changed everything in our lives. And and Ray and I love to give. I mean, we we just really love to give and to do for people. And because of being faithful in that tithing and the first fruits, we are now, I mean, you know, we, we've got 80 acres that sits out there. We live on a quarter section. We have the business. I work for the post office. I got higher up in the post office. I was recently received a job that should not have been my job at the post office. I mean, it was, it's just, I, I, I just can't even explain it to you. I mean, there was a guy that had seniority over me at the post office and, he waited till the last day to put in for the job that, you know, he told me he wasn't going to put in for. And I saw, I thought it was mine. And he says, no, I'm going to go ahead and put in for it. And it turned out he didn't remember his password. And you had to have, you had to log in with your password to do it. And he couldn't come up with it right at the, and he couldn't reset it because there wasn't time. So, you know, everybody thought he got the job. And then when they announced it, it was given to me. And it was a substantial increase. I mean, a substantial increase. And so, I mean, God has just been very obvious in his, you know, taking care of us from going to not having anything to having more than what we need to the point that we can give and give to the glory of God. You work for the post office. Uh, obviously, this is an odd time with COVID-19 and, um, you know, just being a maybe what, what you call a like a, you know, a frontline person, I think is the term that mm-hmm. we're using right now. Have you... It, just talk about the what it's been like over the last you know three or four months it has been stressful as far as um well you know guthrie it was mandatory that you wear a mask and they told us at the post office you know they can't make federal employees do it but out of you know consideration for people will you wear them and so everybody was very considerate and we wore them um people would not come up to us in our vehicles they want us to set their mail and stuff on the porch and they won't even touch it they air it out um you know it's it sometimes you forget because you're out there working every day and it's hard for us sometimes to realize what everybody's going through my heart goes out to everybody that's had to go through this or lost somebody in this but when you're working constantly it sometimes you just forget the struggles of everybody else um it's sad to see everybody having to wear masks now. I understand it. Um, I've seen so much change in our world just in the last, what, three or four months. I've seen people stay at home with their families. I've seen wonderful things. I've seen parents out in the yards with the kids planting gardens where they didn't used to be there. I've seen, you know, I've just, I've seen families come together for the most part. And I've seen people out riding bicycles that didn't used to be out riding bicycles. Um, but then you, you, there's the bad, the bad side to it too, you know, lost loved ones, lost jobs, lost income. 
um, packages have increased because people are ordering online and having them send send out. So, I mean, we are busy. We are super busy. Um, it's very stressful in the post office because uh, letters have cut back and, and magazines have cut back, and that was a lot of the income. So um, we, we try to be respectful. We try to do everything we can to make people feel at ease. You know, if they want us to wear a mask, we wear a mask. If they prefer us to wear gloves, we'll wear gloves. You know, we understand that they're in a panic about stuff, too, coming from China or you know, who's sending you what, but in, you know, some people, their groceries come through us. And right. so, well, I appreciate, uh, you know, your efforts and, and being a frontliner. I mean, that means a lot. And, you know, I think I speak for probably all the listeners and we say that we're grateful for your, your efforts. Speaking of grateful, what are you grateful for? Oh, I'm grateful for my husband. I'm grateful for my children. I'm very grateful that we live in the Bible Belt and live in this one nation under God. Um, sometimes we forget that this nation was founded on God. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, concerned about where the United States of America is headed. Uh, but very grateful for... I, I'm very grateful for North Church. You know, um, my husband and I talk about it all the time that it is one of the most loving compassionate friendly churches you know we've been to a couple of churches that when you stop going to that church you see the people in the grocery store they won't talk to you they won't acknowledge you north church isn't like that the people at north church they they don't care if you go to the church there they're they're super friendly to people all the time so we're very thankful for north church we're thankful for the lessons that we learn at north church um i'm thankful for what they're doing with the youth I mean, I'm just, I, Ray and I are just very, very thankful. I I just can't say enough. I mean, the Lord has totally changed my life, has changed my kid's life. And, and, and I know Raymond's told me stories of, of what he used to be like as a child and stuff, and I know it's changed his life. So I'm so thankful that we are in a country that we have that free choice and that we could live openly serving the Lord. Couldn't have ended it any better. Thank you for uh, for coming on the show. Thank you. Uh, that's Tammy Dorwart, and uh, thank you for listening. That will do it for this edition of Sunday Stories. We'd love for you to follow North Church on Facebook and Instagram. North Church experiences are live streamed on Facebook and YouTube, as well as available on our website. You can find that by going to north.church. Thank you for listening, and as always, love God, love people, and follow Jesus.